0: Well, this morning, uh, I've got a message, uh, and some of someone's like, "I'm glad he's got a message." At the moment, it just seems like he's rambling. Praise God, he's got a message. We're having a lot of fun, but I hope there's a message. Well, there is a message, don't you worry? And the title of my message is "Cast Your Bread." Cast your bread. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I've never preached from this chapter or this message before. And I again, like last week, I believe it's a prophetic message. And it's going to sort of uh, sh- shadow and mirror a bit of some of the spaces we went into last week, where we're going to dig a bit more aground. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a serving to seven and also to eight. For you do not know what evil will be on the earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if a tree fails to the south or or to the north, in the place where the tree fails, there it shall lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. That is so powerful. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know what is the way of the wind. Or how the bones grow in the womb of her who is with a child. So you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and in the evening do not withhold your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Pretty much what this what this passage of scripture is telling us is we do not know in the details of how God works. Now, biology has taught us in some ways how a baby is born, the embryos and the shape and all that, the progresses. But how does it really happen? When does does that muscles come on? When does the bones take shape? When does the nerves come on? When does the organs come in? That's what the book of Ecclesiastes is saying. Another portion of Ecclesiastes says, we do not know where the wind is blowing. A lot of times I find people saying, I want to give or I want to be a part of something when I feel the spirit moving me. And 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 I think sometimes we can spend so much energy trying to work out how God works as opposed to taking a step of faith. And so I love the starting point of the scripture where it says, cast your bread. And that's the message I want to talk from this morning. Cast your bread. What 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 is it? It's a bit bit random for the Bible to say cast your bread. Because when I when I think about the word bread, bread talks about food, bread talks about daily provision, bread talks about the breadwinner, you know, we've got the word, I'm the breadwinner of the house, talking about finances. And when the Bible says, cast your bread, it's literally saying, throw it off or put it this way, put it that way. But I love the fact that the Bible doesn't say, throw your bread, but the fact that the Bible says, cast your bread. It's like Jesus said to Peter, cast your net on the other side. It's almost a sense of uh, intuition to take a risk with the intention that something's coming your way. There's almost a sense of anticipation. There's almost this act of faith of I'm still not sure what is coming way, my way. I'm still not sure what is on the other side, but I'm going to step out. I'm going to cast that net. I'm going to step into that space. I'm going to do that thing and hoping and believing that God's in it. And I want to coincide and come back with uh first Kings chapter 17. In fact, we studied about Elijah last week and we're gonna sort of track back into that story and we saw how God supernaturally provided for him uh, through the raven and through the brook and then God sends him to a widow and we sort of danced with that story a bit but really didn't dig deep enough into it and that's what I wanna do this morning. But first Kings chapter 17, verse seven, it says, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Wait a minute, what brook is the Bible talking about? The same brook? that God asked Elijah to go drink from. Sometimes the brook in my life, the brook in your life will dry up, not because the enemy is bad or the enemy is attacking or the enemy is doing something, but sometimes it happens because God is changing the season. Sometimes God needs to dry a few things up to move us on into the next thing that He has for us. And, And in verse eight, it says, then the word of the Lord came again. I love the fact that God's word is coming again. I feel there's a word for somebody watching this morning that God's word is coming again. You had a word once, But I'm here to say, there's a word coming again. The word of the Lord came again. And it says in verse nine, "'Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon "'and stay there. "'I have directed a widow there to supply you with food.'" I want you to notice the language. "'I've I've directed a widow to supply food for you.'" So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked her, "'Would you bring me a little water in a jar "'so I may drink?' As she was going to get it, he called and and said, bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replies, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Can I say something to you, church? God has this unusual habit that's almost embarrassing, that he expects us to do things that's a bit beyond us. In the sense, if you notice this story, the prophet goes to her and says, can I have a glass of water? Can I get some water? And she said, yes. But then she takes it up a no- notch and he says, can you also give me some bread? And it's a funny one. And you know, if I can be candid for a moment, I've had a few arguments with God and I've sort of walked past that now. But a couple of months back when we we signed up for this building, you know, a great time to have received this building would have been two years ago. Two years ago, in fact, if you had gotten this building two years ago, we wouldn't have even have told you. We would have just done it all up. We had finances enough to do it all up. And one Sunday, surprise, surprise, come and meet us here. New place, new It will be like the biggest surprise of the year sort of a situation where the whole building's done up by we'll get a professional team to do it all. And I, I was having an argument with God saying two years ago or 18 months back it would have been way more perfect. But now we've had situations and COVID and restrictions and this and shifts in our finances and all sorts of stuff. But I felt like the Lord saying if we had gone that way we would have robbed people of an opportunity to step out in faith because it's not actually about this building it's about what God is building in my life in your life and God is eager to cause situations such as these where the brook dries up in our life so that he can move the the bread from somebody else's hand and he can allow the stream to flow from somebody else's house so that they can be as much blessed as they become begin to be a blessing Let's jump to verse 13. It says, Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me. Somebody say, cast your bread. Elijah literally says to her, I know you're out of bread, but I need you to cast your bread from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. I feel like I want to prophesy right now over us, over this building, over you, over your home, that the jar of oil will not dry up. The word of the Lord will not stop. The oil will keep flowing. Blowing until downpour hits Maremba Downs, until the rain comes into this land. Verse 15, so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day. Check it out. There was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Downpour Church, I feel God is calling us to cast our bread. you know sometimes casting our bread requires of us to go the extra mile. See the lady in the story was willing to get the glass of water, which it's which in itself was a generous act, considering her situation. She was a widow, her husband had died, the house was depleted. literally she was gathering sticks to have their last meal. Think about this, and then they were gonna die. She was at that place and so for her to even, open up our heart to be generous enough to 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 even be hospitable to get a glass of water for the prophet was incredible, was godly in nature. But then sometimes the act of casting our, uh, casting our bread, the act of sowing that seed, the act of stepping out in faith, whatever we wanna call it this morning, demands of us to go the extra mile. I've noticed this, that sometimes a seed is not just based on our convenience, but rather based on the unconventional. Sometimes it's what's convenient for me. Sometimes it's what I can calculate towards. Sometimes it's, but other times it's the unconventional. Other times it's the unusual. Other times it's the unfamiliar. And that's what we notice in this text. Some of us might be asking the question this morning, why me? Why us? Why us? Because if God could have picked any person in Israel at that point, he should have picked somebody else. But he picks a widow. I mean, God, did you get the wrong address? You don't pick a widow who's already starving, who's already literally days away from possible death to feed the prophet, to feed the vision. But God does that. And that's why some of us might feel like, oh, I think there's going to be somebody else that's going to be a part of building the house. I'll do my bit and and we all will do our bit. But maybe this morning, God sent me here to tell somebody in this place that maybe you are part of that situation and we are part of that situation. And maybe the question we've got to ask is, just like God could have picked any woman, God picks the widow. Because God knew that one day the widow would have other needs that would need to be met like the death of her own son that the prophet would raise a year or so later. In the same way, God could have picked any church to have been given this building, but yet God picked our church. And so I recognize it's because perhaps God recognizes and understands that in two years time, in three years time, there's going to be other situations and circumstances that are going to come our way, that's going to break things open and and we're not able to even enter those spaces unless we step into this space today, unless we have the faith of this widow that says, this seems inconvenient, this seems a bit unconventional, but I'm going to use my last piece of bread, I'm going to give that to the water, I'm going to cast it upon the water, I'm going to give it to the hand of the prophet. And I think it's important to understand that when Scripture tells us to cast our bread, it's a statement of stepping out in faith. You know, casting your bread requires us sometimes to go all in. I remember two years ago, we had this event called Vision Gala. and Vision Gala was this glamorous event. It was amazing. We're doing it a bit different this year. And I like the fact that we changed things around. But Vision Gala was this thing about hearing the vision for the church we see uh, over a five-course meal. And it was glamorous, it was amazing. And just like you, we are also members of Downport Church. We are not just pastors, we are members of the church. We are owners of the church. And Lee and I, we put down an offering. And I remember I put on a certain number. I was pretty impressed with my number. I was like, yeah, this is me stepping out in faith. Come on, I've never done that before. Until I sort of showed Lee the amount, in a sense, for her to, yes, partner with me and hold my fist tight in faith. And also to maybe impress and say, oh, my faithful, faithful husband. To only be looked at with with a stare of unbelief of, is that what you're putting in? And Leah just takes a piece of paper and triples the number. Not doubles, triples the number. For those of you know, you know that I'm generous already. She triples it. And I said to her, we don't have this kind of money the only thing was at that at that given point we were saving up for our first home and we were putting money aside money aside money aside over a period of 18 months it was money here money they were putting money aside and the only place we had that money was from the was from the uh, the the settlement not the settlement but rather the deposit for our f- potential future home and literally to satisfy that moment, to satisfy that need, we literally had to break open our savings and put the whole amount of what we were saving for our home towards Vision Gala. Now, I can say this two years in. I didn't say it at that point, but I feel the fate to say it because I want you to know that we are not just asking a demand of anybody, but we are, we are wanting to be leading the charge in generosity. And now we fast forward that two and a half years later, God has blessed us with or the home beyond our dreams and let me tell you it's a miracle how we've even entered that space and all that sort of stuff but here's my point that sometimes God will look within the spirit of God will demand within and sometimes it's that little thing that maybe sometimes we might want to protect in in the act of wisdom that that may demand of us to step out in times like this now I'm not saying that this is something that you must do I'm saying that this is only something you want to do when God leads you I'm just sharing that story to motivate us to encourage us in the. the things that God can do for us. Casting our bread upon the water. What a powerful, what a powerful statement. But casting your bread upon the water will demand you to say goodbye to your old self. Casting your bread upon the water will demand of us to say goodbye to our old self. Now, what do you you mean by that? I could have, I I, I imagine another conversation that this lady could have had with Elijah. This lady could have had, well, Mr... Doctor, Pastor, Prophet Elijah, if you were really a prophet of God, you would know number one that there's nothing in the bank and there's nothing at home. The fact that you're even asking something of me tells me that you're you're insensitive to my need. Uh, You're not emotionally aware. You need to do a bit of therapy. You need to do a bit of training. You need to be a bit more skilled social. Know your space because you would be discerning enough to know that I would not be able to satisfy your need. In fact, she says, we are at a place where we're about to die. Can I say to you, that day a death did happen, but it wasn't the physical death that she had anticipated that would happen to her and her boys, but rather it was the death to await a mindset. It was a death to a way of thinking. It was a death to a season that she was in and it was the birth of a new season. There was a death that happened and what was happening is that there was a death to a way of thinking. There was a goodbye to the old faith. There was a goodbye to the old ways. There was a goodbye to the old songs. Every tongue in heaven and earth shall declare your glory. Every knee shall bow it. I just had to do it just to wake some people up. You know what I'm saying? The old songs. I love that song, by the way, but we're not going to be doing it. Someone got excited. Someone took a shofar out, but no, we're not doing that song. Here's what I'm trying to say. The old ways, the old faith, the old songs. Let me tell you, there was a death to the old building. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, uh, some of you know what I've shared with you earlier about how before we ever found this building, we had to say goodbye to the old building. It was not a situation of, oh, there's a new building on the pipeline. Let's plan it all. The board's all smart. We're all smart. We've got our geek glasses on. Our, our, Our Windows XP computer's working. It's not even working, but we're looking all smart. None of that, my friend. It was literally, we need to do something. We need to chop the head of this old building. It felt painful. It felt atrocious. It felt like we're going backwards. But sometimes something old needs to die so something new can come forth. I think about the feeding of the 5,000. If you don't know the story of the 5,000, where Jesus is with his disciples and the the tribes together, the men and the women are there. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, I need you to feed them. The only problem is they've got no food. And then they bring the lunch of a a young boy to Jesus, he's got five loaves and two fish, Jesus prays for the meal and the meal multiplies, five loaves and two fish. I was thinking about the story and I was thinking this morning if the greatest miracle, was it the fact that Jesus took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 or was it the fact that a teenager parted with his lunch I do not know which the biggest miracle was. But friend, that might be the miracle for some of us that maybe us parting away from our five loaves and two fish. I want you to remember the next day when that boy went back to school, when they begin to lay out the fish and chips, he ain't, he ain't looking at no fish and chips. He would always remember until the day he died how he saw fish multiply. How he saw bread multiply. Talking about fish. I want to talk about salmon. Salmon. Why am I talking about salmon? Because I've got the microphone. (laughs) Salmon. Let's talk about salmon. I was studying a bit about salmon the other day. Do you know something interesting happens when salmons reproduce? When salmons reproduce, they say that they have to go to a specific space in the water. It's not just on the surface level, but they've got to go into a deep place into the waters to reproduce. They say that salmons need to change color as an invitation to the act of mating, they also need to stop eating. All their energy, all their focus becomes about the act of reproduction, the act of multiplication. In fact, scholars say, that scientists say they've got no energy left to even return back home to the point that once the male salmon does what he does, he dies off. And then the female salmon, her whole body, her whole energy, her whole nutrition is just focused on birthing salmon. Some of you are like, I want to go fishing now. Come on. <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to recognize what is happening here because I want you to notice that it says that scholars say that they need to go to a specific place. Wait a minute, we're in a new place. It says that salmon needs to take on a new look. Wait a minute, we're going to have a new look. And it says that salmon has to take on a new diet. Wait a minute, we are getting into a new diet, a new way, the Word of the Lord. Here's what I'm trying to say. When God's about to produce a new thing, something needs to change. But here's the amazing part. Even though Daddy salmon and Mommy salmon died, they never died. They live on in their kids. All the energy, all the nutrition, all the experiences live on with the school of fish. I, know, I don't know about you, but I know I'm going to have fish and chips for lunch. <laughs> Come on. And, and I feel this is a prophetic word for somebody because you felt you were about to die, but your death is causing something new to birth within. Your death is going to keep birth something new. In fact, if you're in doubt... Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep baby salmon, do 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 do, baby salmon, do 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 do, baby salmon. You know what I'm talking about. The salmon lives on in his children and in his grandkids. And that's what happens in the story. This lady thought she was about to die, and a way of death did happen in the way of thinking, but now she began to live with a new source. Casting the bread requires a new way of living, a new way of thinking, and a new life. Casting the bread causes some things to break open. That's what it does. When you cast that bread, it breaks something open. In fact, Acts chapter 10, verse 3, it says, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. Who had a vision? What a great question. Somebody just asked that question on the chat. Who had a vision? You are so smart. Well, let me tell you who had a vision. His name is Cornelius. Cornelius was an Italian, he was a Roman centurion leader. Uh, He was a Roman soldier and the Bible says that he had a vision and then it says, he distinctively saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Now, can I, can I propose to you that at this given point, Cornelius did not know God yet. He had an understanding of God. He had an understanding of the things of God. But, but so, so you got to understand this. He was not technically what you call a Christian or a follower of Jesus. But an angel comes to him and the angel answered. Check out what the angel says. Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before the Lord. Your prayer and gifts, you're casting the bread. You're casting the net to the other side. You're stepping out in faith has come up as a memorial offering. Sometimes people ask me what we give to the things of God. Where does it go? Well, it comes to the Commonwealth Bank account of the church, but really it comes up as a memorial offering unto God. One of the craziest stories, and this is probably really close to home yesterday because our, our six and a half year old daughter, Elise, I I took her to the dentist yesterday. She had two wobbly tooth. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want to pull it out. It was just going to be too crazy and things like that. So we took her to the dentist. And let me tell you, it was such a fine experience. They were so nice. They were so gentle. They were so polite. You know, they they just, they laid her in my lap. And it was amazing. And, you know, it was all just one. They took two tooth out and they did a whole x-ray thing and they cleaned up, like it was immaculate service. And when I went out to the counter to pay, they were like, it's all covered. It's all covered by Medicare. And I was like, this is amazing. And as I walked out of that place yesterday, and some of you are like, what is that going to do with anything? I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, I had literally tears coming down my face because I just began to think, number one, how blessed we are. God bless Australia. Come on, somebody. I love this country. You ought to love this country. We were so blessed here. Let's not take it for granted. How blessed we are. And, 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 and just our story. So let me share with you our story. A couple of years back when Leah was pregnant with Elise, our first child who I just spoke about before. As she was seven months into her pregnancy, we had applied for a permanent residency. And what happened was uh, they looked at our case and it was a bit unusual because like man born in the Middle East and preaching about Jesus. Is it Jesus? Is it Muhammad? Is it Allah? You know, they're not sure. And so they reject, literally reject my visa and to the point of we get this letter from the government that says that uh we got 28 days to leave the country and Leah was seven and a half I think eight months probably seven and a half months pregnant with a lease and here I am sitting in this office there's a letter in my hands and I'm just like number one how are we gonna do this how are we going to get tickets to get out of the country can she even jump on a plane where are we gonna have this baby we don't even know anything And we had this lawyer that was representing us with this whole visa situation. And so we called her up and she says to me, let's put forth what you call an appeal. And an appeal is literally, we're taking the visa department of the Australian government to court saying that they've rejected us on unfair grounds. And, and you know, I don't know if you know any of these sort of appeal situations and stuff like that. It can get, we can get pretty ugly. And my lawyer, Sue, said to me, the only reason we're doing this is to buy time. So she, she goes to me, Alwin, this is a lost cause. It's a lost case. We're just getting you to buy time. And the reason we needed to buy time was just because we just wanted to have the baby in the country. And then we're going to reevaluate and work out how we're going to do this. To the point that we probably need to do go overseas and apply a new application and things like that. So we're in chaotic land. And Sue, my lawyer, says to me, It's going to take at least 21 months before she's worked with cases of this nature. It's going to take at least 21 months before you're even going to hear back from the government. They're going to extend your stay here, but you're going to hear back anything appeal related from the government. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? Nod your head at me if you are. And so I'm navigating through these things, sort of thinking it's 21 months down the road. Nothing's going to come out of it. And a couple of months, two or three months after that whole rejection of the visa situation, I'm at Planet Shakers Conference. Uh, it's my first time. I went there because of this. It's all entangled with this visa. I want to get into the whole situation. But I'm at Planet Shakers Conference and I was in worship and there was such a powerful moment, such a powerful moment. And something in me, no one said anything. No one said you got to give. But something in me just said, you got to give. At that point, let me tell you, we had nothing to give. We we're in between seasons. We've got appeal cases happening, court cases happening, all sorts of things happening. It's not time to give, it's time to get. That's the time we wanted the envelope. You know what I'm talking about? And and, and so it's like, okay, we're going to do this. And I, I literally didn't even check with Leah, to be honest, but I opened my bank account. I actually remember... I uh, opened my bank account at where I was sitting and I transferred the money into Planet Shakers. It was at the stadium and I was just like, man, is anyone looking into my bank details? All that, there wasn't much anyways. And so, so we send this money across and literally, I'm not joking, 45 minutes later, the session break, the conference session breaks, I go into the city, of, I'm in Melbourne, I go into the Starbucks there and I'm just like, okay, let me just do whatever. Open my laptop, about to press refresh on my email And the first email sitting there is from the Australian government saying, they've looked at my case and they've given us a court date. Now, remember, if you remember what I shared before, it was supposed to take 21 months. It took us three months. And I mean that was just the court, that was just the date. Well, he's he's the beautiful part. We had lots of pastors speaking on behalf of us. I think 20, 30 pastors at the end of the day. We went to court with our baby, and we are well and truly here. And they looked at the whole thing, they over over they overlaid the whole thing and obviously gave us our visas, and today we're citizens, and all that. But my point is this, I know for a fact that the breakthrough didn't happen when we went to court. I know for a fact the breakthrough didn't happen when I called my lawyer Sue and said what to say, and she said what to say. I know for a fact that a breakthrough happened at that given moment at planet shakers when i gave that offering i just know it now you can't i I can i can mechanically or scientifically explain it but sometimes there's something even superseding the mechanical and the scientific and it's called the spiritual and sometimes you just sense it in your spirit in the spiritual realm and let me tell you i can look back to that point of literally like cornelius alwyn Your offerings have risen up as a memorial offering unto the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that I paid my way into something. That's what I'm saying. But there's a step of faith. There's a step of obedience. There's a step of casting my bread to the waters. Why do you even throw water on the bread? You know what I'm saying? Unless you're feeding ducks. Like, why are you even doing that? But there's something about stepping out into that space saying, I'm gonna go there in Jesus' name. I love this whole thought of casting our bread. Because when we cast our bread, we create access to touching the anointing. I want to talk about the anointing. People don't talk about the anointing much, but let me tell you, there's something called the anointing. The anointing, talking spiritual stuff here. As we're stepping into this new building, let me tell you right now, obviously a a majority of what's coming in is going to come into this new building and going to go here. But you know, anytime Downpour receives an offering, we give just like, The church, the people, the church, the people in the church tithe, we we tithe, the church tithes. And there are certain churches and certain ministries around the world that we will be giving into that we want to sow into because we're like we want to come in contact with that I remember as a 17 year old I was watching the TV once and I came across this man called John Bavia. maybe 15 or 16 and I loved his ministry so much it impacted me so much and I was living in the Middle East and I said to myself I may never meet I never thought I would ever meet John Bavia." some of you know the story we're friends now and things like that but never thought I'd meet him never thought I'd do anything with him but I said if there's one way I can come in contact with that ministry there's one way I can come in touch with the anointing that's on that house is I want to sow something I want to cast my my bread upon that water I want to cast my bread into that water and can I say to you it's something powerful in fact in Mark 14 it's probably not going to come up on your screens but in Mark 14 there's a scripture where Jesus is at the home of this man and this lady anoints her feet and everybody gets crazy because she's anointing his feet and what's that all about and things of that but in Mark 14 verse 8 Jesus says she has done what she would and has anointed my body for for burial ahead of time. I want you to think about that. This lady applies the oil, applies the perfume on the feet of Jesus for his burial. I want you to think about it. Do you know why we are here? We are here, not because Jesus did miracles. We are here not just because Jesus opened blind eyes. We're here because Jesus died for our sin. And Jesus rose again. Do you recognize that at planet Earth's greatest moment, at the galaxy's greatest moment, the greatest moment of the Milky Way, where Jesus died and rose again from the dead, that he was smelling like the ointment that was placed upon his body by a lady who would never have access to the tomb who would have probably never had access to the upper room, who would have never had access to the inner circle of the disciples because she knew she couldn't have access to those spaces, but she gave, she cast her bread upon the water of life, upon the river of life, so that when he rose again, think about it, he came out smelling like the perfume that was applied on him. What a powerful thought. And that is why we're here. We're here because there's gonna be thousands that are gonna be saved in this building. We're here because there's gonna be hundreds that are gonna be baptized. But we are also here because we are reaching a casting of bread upon the water opportunity in a couple of weeks where we're gonna have this moment Well, we're going to say, we are putting that, we're laying that, we're applying that, we're doing whatever. And one day in worship, we're going to smell the aroma. One day when the waters, when they're being baptized in water, we're going to smell the aroma. It may be three years from now, it may be five years from now, it may be 10 years from now, but we will be able to smell our sacrifice. And that's why casting our bread on the water is such a powerful thing.